0: Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of our podcast where we ask the question. Hey. Hey. Hey! Mm. Remember the odds? I'm Courtney.
1: And I'm Thomas. I couldn't think of a proper intro, I'm so sorry. <laughs> no,
0: you're okay.
1: We're at the end of the year. Mom,
0: we're... It's the end of the year. It's the end of this dumpster fire year. And we talk about everything from the two thousands, from "Simple and Clean" by Utada Hikaru to "Simple Plan."
1: I had one the first time we recorded, but I right. forgot it. I forgot it. No,
0: I I forgot what it was too. So I just did it have um, to do with band. Margera? Just came up with a new one.
1: No, No, but
0: I thought of him recently.
1: Yeah. We all... Does he deserve a thought? I don't know. Has he been cancelled? Or do we... Because, like, there's an interesting thought that a lot of our culture and a lot of the music, especially I have listened to, is influenced from watching Viva La Ban. I mean, there was literally an episode where Slayer played in his backyard.
0: Really? Mm Mm-hmm. I never got into the whole Bam thing. Everybody loved him. Like all the girls were like, "Oh my God, he's so hot! I want to do things to him." And I was like, "Whoa, he is a person I am not interested in." But I didn't like any of the Bam umbrella. So like, um, him, the TV shows, Jackass. I feel like CKY also kind of fits into that category. Well,
1: because it's reason. his um, it's his brother.
0: Oh, okay, there you go. Yeah. yeah, I just never had any interest in any of it.
1: I was always confused about CKY. Like, I know they're a band, but Fair. I've never really listened to CKY. And, I mean, they're all I only of... listened
0: to them once. Yeah. That's
1: it. I did love all that growing up. And I do think... It holds a special place in my heart. I still love some of the bits of Jackass and Viva La Bam. But I think I, it's important to look at it through a critical modern lens. Like, especially now yeah. about to be 30... I can't watch that and be like, I want to do that. You definitely can't do that.
0: When you said all that, I thought you were talking about the TV show All That. All which, That. Which I do hold fondly in my heart.
1: I do too. Do you remember they rebranded it?
0: I do remember that. I watched that for a little while. It wasn't bad. I remember... It had some good bits.
1: Literally, the last episode, like, the last episode of all that, of the first version, they did yeah. a whole thing. They had the season, the series finale, and then, like, immediately afterwards, I remember there being a promo saying, all that will be back with a brand new cast next year.
0: Yeah, they were holding auditions uh. for the new gang. I think what it was was that, like, the original cast was just getting too old for it or they wanted to start branching out
1: because what did we have we had amanda Bynes, keenan oh my god what
0: a great cast
1: yeah
0: nick cannon nick cannon was in it
1: wait oh yeah nick cannon uh pete pete We had a pete in
0: there i don't remember
1: the pete. A pete
0: from pete and pete
1: pete
0: hold on i'm gonna remember his name it's like danny
1: danny pete danny
0: something Oh my god! I don't know. It doesn't matter. We'll talk about this on another day.
1: <laughs> totally fine. But
0: but um uh, it it's kind of been pulling teeth for us to get to this episode. Because it has been. It's just been like wrecked with um bad luck, things going wrong, or this whole this whole mini series. Actually, now that I think of it, has just been happening during very inconvenient situations. (laughs) I understand, yeah. Yeah, specifically with this episode, we keep trying to plan for it, and then, like, things kept happening, and you know, with the holidays, and there's a lot of stuff happening in the world. It just seemed like uh, it was difficult to get to it, which is why we decided to take a little break. Um, But we recorded half of an episode, and we were trying to rush through it, and it just didn't make any sense to rush through it, but now that we have a chance to actually sit down and talk about it we don't want to talk about it anymore
1: (laughs) yeah yeah uh, we talked about literally everything else we had a nice conversation because we talked about in breaking dawn part two the main takeaway song not to jump too far ahead but it's okay because it's like yeah yeah, it's fine it the the breakout (laughs) song from that was the passion pit song right and i was like let's talk about passion pit a little bit we talked about passion pit what they're up to and then we talked about other uh, music's in the same genre. I was like, oh, MGMT. Mm-hmm. Remember MGMT? And then went down there. And then their...
0: we started talking about MGMT.
1: The rabbit hole of uh, who filled their place during their absence. And I'm like, oh, yeah, Team Paula definitely took off and are a way better band. Yeah. And then we're like, yeah. wait, we have a show to do.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like two hours later, <laughs> I'm like ordering groceries for tomorrow night. And oh, the time that we're God. recording this. It's the night, it's like the, it's December 30th, it's before New Year's Eve, and then we're like, ah, tomorrow's New Year's Eve, we have so much stuff we want to get done before then.
1: Five minutes ago, I had a full panic attack, realizing that New Year's Eve is tomorrow. (laughs) I thought it was like two days from now.
0: I know, me too.
1: (laughs) I genuinely was like, wait a minute, it's not tomorrow, it is tomorrow?
0: Yep, yep. My hands are cold. Cold. It's just that kind of, uh, it's that kind of an end of 2020. We should, we should just embrace it. Like, obviously, the end of 2020 was going to be this slap together.
1: I'm going to be 30 in 2021, Courtney.
0: I'm fine with it. We'll, I'll be turning 30 when we're going to a wedding, basically. Or, like, the weekend I would be celebrating oh, my that's 30th, right. we're going to a wedding. So, yeah <laughs> those those are gonna be my plans
1: it's weird that we don't have this like because usually every show does a it's been a year here's all the things we've done and we're literally doing our like our new year's eve it's gonna come out after new year's
0: yeah yeah, yeah that's fine that's, that's fine. fine everyone's gonna hear it that's yeah. okay
1: but like we're we're just like i just want it to be over with.
0: yeah yeah exactly <laughs> We are just following the pace of 2020. That's all. We will be nestled into 2021 and take a nap with it when it gets here. And, you know, things are calmer.
1: I did contemplate just sleeping all day and waking up in 2021.
0: Wake me up when 2020
1: ends. Where is that song, know. Green Day? You but dad... Dad so, we're rock finally band. here. Yes, we're, we're
0: gonna, here. We're gonna finally talk about uh, the weird hodgepodge buffet of odds music that is the Twilight movie soundtracks.
1: Hell yeah. Let's do it. We're here.
0: Let's do it. Let's get through it. Woo! I After this, I don't think we ever need to talk about Twilight ever again.
1: It's It's come up. At work, I have co workers. Really? Yeah, one co worker, she hates it. But her friend, who is also a co worker of ours, she loves it. And we just had this whole conversation about Twilight and everything. And I went over my issues with it. And it's funny because we both, she agrees with everything. But I was just like, listen, I get it. I enjoyed these movies. We had a fun time, but we got to talk about some things
0: yeah yeah
1: oh boy but yeah it's true we're here for the music because that's a huge part of it that we unfortunately didn't get a lot like when we're talking about the movies already there's already so much to go over that it wouldn't have done the music service to talk about the music and the movies at the same
0: yeah we wanted to do the music separately because there's just so much content to get into with twilight itself and i alone underestimated how much of an impact the music actually had. Like, I remember the Decode music video and, you know, we've picked up on the Iron and Wine song a couple of times. (laughs) But other than that, I had no idea that these soundtracks were such a big deal um, to people when they came out.
1: Oh, yeah. Like, I remember, it's like, I I even talked about a few times I remember seeing the second movie, but really my discourse and understanding in the Twilight until actually watching them was the music, because that soundtrack was always being played around me, always.
0: Oh, fair. Fair. I'm trying to remember who's on that second album. I know OK Go is in it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that one's a big one for that time in music and who was playing it around you
1: frequently yeah. enough. New Moon, that one had Death Cab for Cutie, The Killers. I'm so mad
0: you saw Death Cab for Cutie and I haven't seen Death Cab for Cutie.
1: Yep. Muse. That
0: blows my mind.
1: Uh, The song I always make fun of, Bonnie <laughs> Um uh, Fucking Bonnie Vare. Let's see. Okay, yeah, you said okay, go. This is a, this is a soundtrack, baby.
0: <laughs>
1: but, um, Do we want to start with the first one?
0: Let's start with the first one. Let's start at the original. Catherine Hardwick, Robert Pattinson, and Kristen Stewart are nobodies. Yes. Let's do it.
1: They're nobodies. And as far as everybody knew, Robert Pattinson was just a humble musician.
0: Right. (laughs) And then at some point, we're going to um, put in the Robert Pattinson rabbit hole from what we previously recorded for this episode.
1: Oh, I'm putting I'm posting that today.
0: Got it. What I appreciate is that you kept me messing up over Robert Pattinson's name and saying Robertson Patton because it sounds like <laughs> it could be his name.
1: Robertson Patton. It doesn't
0: not sound like his name.
1: <laughs> That's true.
0: And then you then you made it the title of that episode.
1: Robertson Patton. Oh boy. So, Twilight the original movie soundtrack and I think the best the best way to fully describe the soundtrack is that if you go to Spotify of, of 14 songs only five are actually available.
0: Yeah we went into this thinking that this would be just like a lighthearted episode and we actually had to do more work for this than any other episode because we couldn't just listen to the music we had to listen to the music on Spotify and then find the other 60% of the music that isn't available on Spotify find it listen to it on YouTube yep and so
1: that's where we got to the beautiful rabbit hole of watching videos I have the video yep. up about the Robert Robert Pattinson incident um, but songs like I these are songs that honestly when I think of the first Twilight is it fair to say that the paramore track decode kind of goes hand-in-hand with the first
2: movie
0: i think that actually this song is the most fitting for the movie it's aligned with
1: yeah and it's not on spotify but you, know yeah, yeah. But, but you know what song is on Spotify? Which one? Flightless Bird, baby.
0: Yeah. Flightless, <laughs> Flightless Bird. Bird, baby.
1: American Mouth. American
0: Mouth. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Not a love song for the record.
0: Right. Um, we, we've talked about Flightless Bird a couple of times yeah. on here before. Um, that was a pick by Kristen Stewart. That was Kristen Stewart's suggestion to put into the soundtrack.
1: Yeah, I didn't know
0: that until um, you said that. I think that. it's funny. Yeah, I think it's funny that it was her choice, and then it sort of ended up being the song for Edward and Bella until <laughs> the Christina Perry song comes out. Yes. I still don't think it fits like many of the other songs. No. In these movies. Um, so, yeah, Decode... Is written by Paramore, that's the lead single, and it was nominated by a Grammy in 2010.
1: Okay.
0: It was nominated for a Grammy, excuse me. Not by a Grammy. It wasn't nominated by an award. Um, you know what I think also was really big about Twilight was just I feel like this is the shift in hot topic from trip pants to being more pop culture based
1: yes i i can 100 percent agree with that because hot topic and that's its own own topic we can get into i mean that's but i mean that starts in the 90s but still like it's prevalence in the 2000s is huge we started going on hot topic we talk about
0: it a little bit in nightmare before christmas yes, yes. go ahead
1: we talked we started going on a hot topic when it became when it was more about like i think we started really going there when it was more about mall um new metal trip pants but then metalcore and metalcore and hardcore punk Mm -hmm. that's what like post-hardcore really took it over in the later aughts and then you're right Mm -hmm. the pinnacle shift was twilight and fandoms all of a sudden like hot topic now i think makes most of its money from fandoms more so than it does from music
0: Right, I think so, t- I, because I'm thinking about when this soundtrack came out. It came out in 2008, and in the marketing, it says the CD booklet on the physical CD folds out into one of four Twilight posters. Hot Topic locations across the United States hosted exclusive Twilight soundtrack listening parties on October 24th. 2008 is when we kind of started aging out of the interest of Hot Topic. yes. And I'm thinking maybe that's when the shift started to change from, like, this mall goth culture to just being pop culture. And nerdy things and fandoms, like you said.
1: Yeah, and I could definitely see that happening because of Twilight. Well, not because of, it's like the pinnacle point.
0: Yeah, I think that was the doorway leading into, like, look at the success of this thing. Mm Mm-hmm we should focus on this thing. I also noticed the Wikipedia page says a new song by Mute Math. This was... Maybe I guess they had added it onto the album after. Oh, it says Twilight Mix. Maybe that's what they're talking about. Because Mm -hmm. I had that Mute Math album around the time this movie came out. And it was on there. So... Yeah. I don't know. But So this is the only album of the soundtracks where it's curated, um, one, by an actual musician.
1: That's right, Mike Shinoda.
0: Mike Shinoda from Linkin Park. But it's also the only album in the series of soundtracks that picked most of its music from already pre-existing albums.
1: Yeah, and um, also Linkin Park is on the soundtrack.
0: Right, exactly. That's probably the reason why they got Linkin Park on it.
1: Yeah. I imagine... because they, they, Linkin Park was also, I didn't, I forgot about this, but they did the soundtrack for the second Transformers movie.
0: They did. I distinctly remember the first one, the first Transformers movie ends to 21 Guns by Green Day. And then the second movie ends to What I've Done by Linkin Park.
1: That's right. And they released the, I think the song, the single they released for that was New Divide, which I actually love that song. It's mm. a great song.
0: Okay, and did you like this song for the Twilight soundtrack?
1: Leave out all the rest. Honestly, I, yeah. I do like it now. Like it is a good song. Okay. But I remember my confliction with, as with any kid growing up in the late '90s, the aughts was Linkin Park's significant sound shift from being, you know, the kind of the the dorky new metal group to all of a mm-hmm. sudden having a more polished in, you know, not indie rock, but like they had definitely went for more of that alternative rock sound with Minutes to Midnight.
0: I agree, and I've never actually listened to that album because of that reason. I've never really given it that chance. At the time, I did really love *Meteora*, so hearing the shift from that to *Minutes to Midnight* was uncomfortable and jarring. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's bad. I'm sure it's a perfectly polished alternative album.
1: Yeah, it's. Cause I remember listening to it at the time and being very disappointed, and just being like, "Man, I want my Lincoln Park." Because I knew *Meteora* right. inside and out. Right. I knew every track. I listened to it nonstop. Hybrid Theory was also great, but I think Meteora polished what they started.
0: I may have mentioned this before on the podcast, but I'm not so sure. Uh, faint is my mom's ringtone because really? she loves Faint.
1: Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. That's when we so were kids,
0: awesome. She heard Linkin Park and I thought, oh my God, she's not going to like this at all. And she's like, oh, I like this song. And it's That's just been her ringtone ever since then.
1: That's amazing.
0: Yeah.
1: That's so awesome. Um,
0: I also really loved that for the Decode music video, they tried to duplicate the ambiance of Twilight.
1: <laughs> That's right.
0: They show them in a forest, I and as soon them. as you see yeah. Haley Williams, you're like, oh my God, please be vampires. Yeah. And the rest of the band is vampires, like, sure.
1: Running around but in I the guess... woods with the blue filter on.
0: Right, exactly. They're, like, running super fast like vampires do, <laughs> as Bella has told us.
1: They run really but fast. I guess...
0: Right, exactly. It's so annoying when she says that. They run, like, really fast. Um, But Haley doesn't run for whatever reason. And you know that they perfectly chose the most crimson of hair dye for her to match her hair to blood because vampires oh
1: yeah that was the whole point what are the songs on here what's your take on supermassive black hole which is famously this song from the baseball scene
0: right everyone remembers this scene and supermassive black hole included i don't think it fits the scene at all but it's just so carved into people's brains that. I think it became a part of that cinematic moment. Yeah. Like, now that it's engraved in all of us, I can't think of anything else that would go there. But I still just find it so jarring that it's there at all. I love the song.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's a good song. And you're right. Like, it's... I, weirdly enough, become a staple of that because it doesn't fit, but it's so... I guess that works in its favor because it's just... Like, I still hold it true that watching the first Twilight, not the rest, just the first one, is Mm -hmm. fun on its own standalone bad movie night. Like, it is perfect for a, we can have a laugh at this sort of thing. And that scene is Mm -hmm. just spectacular for that reason. Right. Now. I
0: think that as far as the entire album that that one is on, it's on the same album as a previously covered song, Knights of Sidonia.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It fits much more with the rhythm of that album as an entirety than it does in the scene yeah. where they play baseball.
1: That's fair. Now, what is your takes on Robert Pattinson's songs?
0: I still haven't listened to them.
1: Yeah, that's fair. You don't need to. <laughs> they're, they're fine. I just, they're fine. I
0: think, of, I think of the videos, I think of the fan videos, and I just can't do it.
1: Uh, I don't know. You know, because we we last week I released on Wednesday the video for mm-hmm. our hot take on the deep dive into this weird, um, this weird thing about there being a Robert Pattinson YouTube channel with fan made videos from a company commercial. I don't know what's worse. That just
0: leads around, yeah.
1: I don't know what's worse, that or the JPEG montage images of Edward and Bella together videos.
0: Ooh. I think that the commercial made videos are worse because they deceive you into thinking this is a real music video. At least the JPEG videos have this sort of nostalgic old YouTube feel to them.
1: Hmm. Yeah.
0: Like, what makes them so crappy is what reminds me of earlier YouTube days.
1: Yeah, it's like, you know what it is? It, it brings you back to an earlier time. It's like watching an AMV.
0: Right, right. But now <laughs> that you've mentioned the JPEG videos, I'm pretty sure that's the only way I watched some of these songs.
1: Yeah, that's... We have no choice. Like there's two Paramount, not Paramore, not Paramount. Paramount. (laughs) Two Paramore songs. I caught myself and decode. Both are not on Spotify. Uh, Mm -hmm. Then we have uh, just to name a few: Spotlight, Go All the Way, Bella's Lullaby, Let Me Sign, which is Robert Pattinson, La Traviata, and Claire de Lune. None of these songs are on this album, oh, I mean, on Spotify,
0: right? <sighs> um, and I know I said I watched the song, but that's basically what happens when the only way you can find them is you go to YouTube and they're just like Movie Maker on Microsoft,
1: or sometimes it has like the watermark videos. for like the free trial on the lower page. Like, this yeah, is exactly. a free trial,
0: yeah. Somebody felt fancy with a font where they could make it vanish. When they're done with it. Yeah. Um, Did you listen to any of the extra songs?
1: Only, I did. And then you listened
0: to the Robert Pattinson
2: one.
1: I don't remember. (laughs)
0: <laughs> that's fair
1: Like the aside from the hits on this album like I immediately think of Supermassive Black Hole I think of Paramore I think of Linkin Park and I of course think of Iron and Wine but I don't think of the other songs so it, I think it'd be unfair for me to give my opinion on them because I don't remember
0: <laughs> um, I listened to the other Paramore song and they really I feel like that they actually did a pretty good job with Decode I, I think that it does fit what's happening as best as it can I think there's a couple of lines in the bridge that are really bad, but overall, I caught myself as terrible. Um, it's literally just saying I caught myself over and over again at I one caught point. Myself. But oh, I caught myself. Um, I'm gonna try to find the bad bridge lyrics because they were pretty bad.
1: That's awesome.
0: Yeah, there's one part where she says, um, "What kind of man that you are." if you're a man at all, which doesn't sound good outside of the context of Twilight, but in the no. context of Twilight, you're like, obviously she means, like, you're a vampire. But then the other bridge that she sings is, um, do you see what we've done? We're going to make such fools of ourselves. Do you see what we've done? We're going to make such fools of ourselves. That's the only part of the song where I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Unless Haley Williams is a mind reader and can read the future, a la Alice, and knows that this movie is going to be seen ridiculously
1: for years to come.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Uh, Do we want to go on to the second album then for New Moon?
0: I think we're ready.
1: We're ready. All right. New Moon. This one, before we watch the movies, is the one I was most familiar with, again, because I was made to listen to it all the time. Bonnie yep. uh, Bonivere, Rosalind, is instilled in my brain. It has yeah. a potential positive, I don't know if it's positive. It has, <laughs> it correlates <laughs> to certain things that I don't think it should ever be correlated with, but that's what happens when you're 19.
0: Right, and I, I kind of went on a Bonnie Vare rant when we were recording it previously, and I'm going to do it again. I don't yes. understand what people love about Bonnie Justin Vernon shows up in the original concept album for Hades Town, which is one of my favorite musical soundtracks. But I don't like Justin Vernon. And then also he's in one of the... Well, he's in both of the recent Taylor Swift 2020 albums, Folklore and Evermore. And I'm still just like, I can do without this part. Mm. And then unfortunately, like St. Vincent is just the same situation i respect what she does i think she's doing innovative work in music i really want one of her guitars but when i try to listen to her music i'm just not into it
1: that's totally fair yeah that's totally fair so.
0: i listened to Rosalind and then no time had passed
1: that yeah you
0: know, nothing changed so. for me on that one
1: the, what is it fair to say that the big takeaway song for this one is Meet Me meet Me at the Equinox by Death Cab for Cutie?
2: Meet me on the Equinox, meet me halfway. The sun is perched at its highest peak in the middle of the day. Let me give my love to you.
0: Yes.
1: Hmm. What's your take on that song?
0: I think so we um I categorized a lot of the songs that I listened to from these soundtracks into a few categories. There are some that just bomb. There are some that phone it in. There are pure bangers, and then there are ones that just bore me. But the pure bangers are kind of separate, whereas the other three kind of make a um you know they kind of intersect with each other they, they intertwine so meet me on the equinox is fine it just sounds like a death cab for cutie song that they phoned it in on
1: yeah it does i mean this album can especially compared to the first one where there are some bangers on the first one and you could see it's more of like an indie production definitely mm-hmm. got more of a music influence from you know you got mike shinoda really putting it together This one feels just very phoned in and dropey and muted Mm -hmm. and boring.
0: I think this is where you get to see the difference between the first album where it's made with a musician. A musician, Mike Shinoda, is producing it versus this album and the rest of them, which are produced by Alexandra Patsavas, who is a music business person
1: like you know, he she's
0: picked... not the artist she is on the business side of it
1: yeah and she's definitely picking songs to fit what she feels is a visual aesthetic and it's it's a like i'm not gonna ever come back to this i mean not that yeah. i was really gonna come back to much of these anyway but mm-hmm. like how is i mean band of skulls the song friends i guess is okay
0: it's, yeah it's it's there it exists um, um i do find it funny. Oh, yeah. Um, so I listen to Like Lee in general. Um, actually, when I was on the train ride home, I listened to her last night. Um, She's one of the OG sad girls and she makes amazing sad pop music. Her most recent album in 2018 is called uh, So Sad, So Sexy. <laughs> She's amazing. She's so great. And this song is the worst thing she's ever made. It's just her saying possibility over and over again. It's just, it's that kind of like dull.
1: It's so dull.
0: Sad song that makes you want to throw a chair against a wall.
1: Now, what's your take on the OK Go song, Shooting the Moon?
0: Oh, yeah. So um I knew about this song separately. I just thought it was a B-side for one of their albums because I thought, frankly, a lot of these fit on a B-side for whatever band is singing the song. But Shooting the Moon, I had listened to for years and then was faced with the reality that it was from a Twilight movie. It doesn't fit where it comes into the movie at all. It's a great song. It's Basically about trying to go for your goal and failing. And what do you do after that? How do you face the people who are rooting for you? And it's a really wonderful song. I love OK Go. Even if you like one of their songs, like even if you're just kind of a fan of Here We Go Again, everybody should just go see them in concert. Like if you like Confetti or live covers of The Confrontation from Les Mis or cool visual effects, you should go see OK Go in concert because it is the best time.
1: That's totally fair, I understand that.
0: Were there any songs on this album that you liked? Any that stuck out to you as something interesting?
1: No. No? No. And I'm not saying that like <laughs> deliberately to be like mean jackass edge lord. It's just, I mean, maybe the Muse song. I do. Like the Muse it's,
0: song is fine, but it's yeah. not even the best Muse song.
1: It, and it's a remix. It's a remix for the movie.
0: Right. I like the Sea Wolf song and the Grizzly Bear songs. Those those were pleasant surprises. That's fair. Um. I do think it's funny that Death Cab for Cutie, I think, was a little self-aware of how ridiculous Twilight is. And I think a lot of these bands were just looking for a cash cow. I'm sure that the money that OK Go made from New Moon funded one of their insane music videos that they did for their following album. But there's this great quote from the bassist of Death Cab for Cutie where he says, we wanted to capture that desperate feeling of endings and beginnings that so strongly affect the main characters. It feels like he's being very tongue-in-cheek about it.
1: That's a very vague statement. Right. It feels it happens in the movie.
0: Right. It feels like he's saying, like, oh my god, these people are taking everything so seriously. We're just going to make a song that matches that. And if you're going to listen to the Killers, listen to literally any other song by them. Yeah.
1: Do you have any other highlighted songs you want to talk about from this album?
0: That's it for me.
1: That's fair. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I don't (laughs) hate it. It's just dull. Yeah.
0: Grizzly Bear is, like, I think the best standout. And I'm only saying that because, like, I had already listened to that OK Go song for years, so it didn't seem like a new impact when I listened to this. And also, Tom York, Listen to any other Radiohead song instead. It's just Tom York phoning it in.
1: All right. Well, now let's go to Twilight Eclipse.
0: Two down. Three more to go. <laughs>
1: Twilight Eclipse, everybody.
0: Am I still recording? I hope- okay, okay. For a second, I had a moment, you know, when you, like, forget if you brush your teeth or put on deodorant. I was like, did I remember to hit record?
1: That's. I totally understand that. It's totally fair. We're good. All right, so let's get to Twilight Eclipse the soundtrack. Is it just me or is this one dramatically shorter than the other ones?
0: Oh, let me see. Oh, I already clicked out of my uh, other files. I'm not sure, but it does feel like there's a shift in how seriously they want the music to come off in this album. It's like they want it to match what is happening in the movie yeah the music still doesn't fit but at least it has the same level of hype
1: yeah oh you know Uh, no it's 15 mm -hmm. it's 16 tracks long my bad i was looking at a version on spotify where most of the songs are missing again (laughs) yeah but um, this is where we get... And I remember we talked in... Uh, it's a shame because we did talk intensely about this one. Because some would make the case that this is the best album.
0: Yes, yeah. I, I remember that. Um, I remember that review. And I agree. Actually, well, I like the next album that's coming out. But I think that okay. considering Eclipse was our favorite movie and feels like it has the most plot, it makes sense to me that this album... Has that mention that matching sense to it?
1: This time around, we have Muse. Is Muse on all of them? Because they're in this one too.
0: I don't think that they're in the next two.
1: Okay, but I do remember. Um,
0: small Muse aside. When I went to go see them in concert, I had said that I was annoyed that they gave Twilight permission to use supermassive black hole, and the kid who got us the tickets was like. Oh, yeah, they're never doing that again. Meanwhile, they made two more songs for the following yeah. movies. So I think they were fine with it.
1: Yeah, totally. Now, when it comes to this one, we have we have Metric, fan favorite, mm-hmm. Muse, Florence and the Machine, uh, mm-hmm. Vampire Weekend, and then CeeLo Green. Right. Who else Lo do we have Green. in this
0: that I've noticed? Um, oh, The Black Keys. That's the a good song.
1: Black that's right. This
0: one's a banger. I stand by that. Chop and I, Change is a banger. I
1: think the song that stuck out to me the most on this one was Heavy in Your Arms by Florence and the Machine. It is a... It is a... It's a beautiful song, but it's a... It's a... It's a... Tra- it's, a tra- it's like a... I don't know what the word is. It's a tragically traumatic song. And the irony... Let's... Um,
0: yeah, let's unpack Heavy in Your yeah. Arms by Florence and the Machine because this one kind of caught us off guard a little bit my feet dragged across the ground and he
1: took me to the river where he slowly let me drown my love has concrete feet my love's an iron Because the irony, and we talked about last time, the the irony of this song is that when you read the lyrics and you listen to it, it's this really heart-wrenching song about the pain and struggle of this type of relationship. Like, I'm going to read some of the lyrics. I was a heavy heart to carry. My feet dragged across the ground. My love was concrete feet. My My love's an iron ball wrapped around your ankles over the waterfall. I'm so heavy, heavy in your arms. And it's about like what, like what line? Hang on. There's one line in particular. My feet dragged. Like mm-hmm. this is like. And what's weird is the only thing I could think about in comparison to the movie, Bella has this confliction um with herself because she's essentially the reason this fucking war is happening. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. she's the reason a lot of this is happening, and she feels that guilt. But instead of like. This acknowledge well. Like the song acknowledges that she or the person in this relationship has a lot of emotional baggage, a lot to carry. But it almost sounds angry, like because it's not like oh, you carried me away, you carried me away, you carried my baggage. I'm so sorry. It's you dragged me, you know. Right. So it's this tossing. It's this. It's not a one sided thing. It's this very complex thing where it's like there's an acknowledgement of all the burden and struggle. And and you look at couples with relationship issues and depression, Mm. where when you're with someone who's suffering a severe amount of depression, it, that it creates this hostility where it's not perfect. It's not like one person's carrying the other person and it's like, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm a burden. It's like, I'm a burden, Mm. but it doesn't help that you're literally dragging me. Like, that's why I think the song is, powerful and revealing and it's ironic that's in a movie where none of that complexity or evaluation is granted to bella it's just vampire war bella kiss wolf boy everything's okay
0: um florence and the machine clearly made a song that was just better than twilight eclipse no i'm I'm trying to think about how to apply what's happening in Twilight at this point in Eclipse to, like, figure out how it fits into Heavy in Your Arms. I just think that uh, Florence Welsh is amazing. And, you know, it's healthy in relationships. A healthy partnership should have situations where one person can carry the other and then the other person has some time to be helped and then that person can carry the other person who was just doing the carrying. You know, that happens in relationships and that's okay. But when you're so busy carrying the weight of one person that you can't handle it and you're doing all the heavy lifting and then to the point like in heavy in your arms where the person being carried is being dragged, then that's not good for anybody. So maybe Florence Welsh was working with the idea that although the fight is caused because of Bella, Edward is bringing unhealthy qualities into the relationship as well.
1: Yeah, and we see that throughout the series. Was the song, I don't even know if the song was made for the movie. I wouldn't be surprised if it wasn't made for the movie. That's what
0: I'm guessing.
1: And they just picked it up because, like, somebody creative was like, I know what they're trying to do, but the movie's not delivering. But the song delivers on this theme really well.
0: So that's what's confusing to me. So we have the two singles, Neutron Star Collision, Love is Forever by Muse. And we have Eclipse All Yours by Metric. Those are the first two singles that come out for the album. They are written for the movie. But then "Heavy in Your Arms also appears on Florence and the Machine's The Dog Days Are Over album.
1: Yeah, I think it came out before the movie. So I don't think it was made for Twilight.
0: Right. I think that they just picked it up and were like, well, this is going to be the third single that we're using. Um, I think it was just to pick up on the clout that Florence and the Machine was having at the time. At this time in 2010, this is when they were, you know, just becoming this brand new band that you heard dog days are over and Fist with a Kiss is better than none all the time. So I think that's it. I think they just picked a song and that's it. Um, But I, I do think that you should listen to The Green Light, which is Florence Welsh's song for the Great Gatsby movie. I know how we feel about Great Gatsby and some people who hype Great Gatsby up, but I also really love Baz Luhrmann. And I think that the soundtrack that they made for it was really amazing and the song that she does for the great gatsby soundtrack is actually just perfect for that movie and actually really fits what's happening in great gatsby oh yeah
1: oh yeah, yeah. it's oh my god so
0: the bravery was a nice surprise too
1: i remember liking the vampire weekend song but it's been a while since so yes. i've listened to it <laughs> sorry
0: it's okay no it's it's another phoned in song um it's just, it sounds like a B-side for one of their albums. Mm-hmm. Their best album, to me, is about the father of the bride. Okay. It's about being faced with reality and being a dad all of a sudden.
1: Oh.
0: It's a good album. Okay. Also, um, his partner and the mother of his child is Rashida Jones. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh. So, I, I like Vampire Weekend, but this song is not one of their best.
1: What's your take on the CeeLo Green song?
0: I did not listen to it. I I really struggle with CeeLo Green because he is a terrible person, yes. but also sometimes you just want to listen to Crazy.
1: I understand that.
0: Yeah, CeeLo Green... I don't know. He said some bad things. He did. And just, did some bad things. It's
1: odd that he's on this soundtrack. Yeah. I don't get it.
0: Um diversity poll.
1: That's very lazy. Oh,
0: it's, oh, it is. The only thing lazier,
1: the only thing that's lazier is if they're like, we need diversity. All right, let's put 50 Cent on here.
0: Yeah, right? Well, there's, on the next album, too, it's all, like, folk music. It's all cottagecore. And then all of a sudden, there's one rap song on it. And I'm like, this does not fit here at all.
1: Diversity. Diversity. Like, if you have a budget for the soundtrack and you can co- actually hire people to compose a song, yeah. wouldn't there be? And your theme, because I guess the thing, no one's saying your theme shouldn't be cottage core, right? But shouldn't the especially if you're the music director or the soundtrack producer, wouldn't it make more sense to hire, you know, more diversity and compose an original song? rather than just half-ass pick a song that sort of that doesn't fit it doesn't i'm not even going to pretend like it fits
0: right right yeah i didn't even bother listening to this i saw it wasn't on spotify and i was like i could look this up on youtube or i could do something else with my time
1: and you did the right thing
0: (laughs) yeah (laughs) um it's weird how crazy shows up in the Moulin Rouge musical. This is just, like, a random aside. But it fits, and then also I'm watching Aaron Fiat sing it, and he's as wide as it can get, so it's weird. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, oh, it's just a... It was a weird choice to add to... CeeLo Green was a weird choice to add to the soundtrack.
1: Yeah, it's... I think you're right, and I think it's just lazy.
0: Yeah, because he doesn't even fit in the genre.
1: No, he doesn't. No. So, that's all really I have to say about this one.
0: Yeah, um, Beck and Bat for Lashes, also, it could have been something spectacular, and it's just very lazy, pre-vaporwave.
1: Yeah, that's a great way to put it, it's vapor. Oh, man.
0: (laughs) It's not good Vaporwave. I didn't no. know if that was possible. You know, I really struggled with whether or not Vaporwave was something that you could decipher good or bad, and then we got to Let's Get Lost by Beck and Bat for Lashes, and I was like, yes, there is bad Vaporwave. Yes. Um, what did, We didn't really talk about the two main singles. What did you think of Eclipse, All Yours by Metric, or our gal, only Hangs.
1: I only listened to the Metric song, Eclipse, and it was fine. Like, I like Metric, and it was all right. It's not better than some of my more, like, fam- like my favorite songs, but it's it's all right. It fits. It's here. Right. It's here to stay. Yeah,
0: it, it does fit, and it sort of fits their vibe as well. Yeah. But it's okay. Neutron Star Collision is too good for this album, the story of love that Matthew Bellamy tells in this song is so much better than what happens in Twilight. It feels like it's more like space vampires and they are <laughs> fighting for their love on Mars.
1: Yeah.
0: And you just feel like you're along with them for the ride. Like they're hyping you up.
2: Like snowflakes in a-
0: You know your planet could explode in the crossfire but you're here for it hell yeah so I agree to that. that one's really good
1: yeah do we want right. to go to breaking down part one
0: let's go to breaking down part one
1: breaking this down is, part one
0: this is a much less uh painful experience than the first time we tried to get through these
1: yes breaking yeah. down part one we have the joy formidable oh yes. Mars, Christina Ferry, yeah. <laughs> Cider Sky, Iron and Wine again. Yep. Hardify, Sleeping at Last. I don't know most of these names. I'm just going to let you know.
0: No, that's fine.
1: Like most um, of these
0: songs. So I just want to set the scene. Yes. For the vision of this album when you think about it. Because the movie is mostly about the wedding. So they're creating a sense of love and beautiful cottage core, walking among the flowers, maybe you're barefoot in the grass, I don't know. But that's the kind of vibe that they're trying to set up. Similarly, at this point, the Civil Wars are also hitting it big, mm-hmm. and they are an acoustic duo who kind of fit this genre of music as well. Um, I believe at this point, Civil Wars is working with Taylor Swift on the song for the Hunger Games movie. Okay. So that also kind of has a very similar feel. Safe and Sound is very on par with the music that's in this album. Um, But it, it does kind of all merge into each other.
1: Yeah. They um, kind of just
0: create one long song.
1: It's hard. Again, I think my problem, and it's not my problem, it's more of a personal issue. This I'm I'm very pick and choosy about this kind of music. Like I think you put it best mm-hmm. when you talk about cottagecore. Mm-hmm. It's very I'm very particular and new to it, so a lot of these artists I don't know, a lot of these songs I don't know and the style unless it grabs me right away, it's hard for me to listen to it hmm so i i have a heart i had a is the what's the takeaway songs from this album is it is it the thousand years one because i remember that one being played a lot
0: okay so a thousand years is the longest standing fixture of the twilight series i'm gonna say that more than the actual seriousness of the edward bella relationship a Mm. thousand years has stood the test of time and has become one of those like soundtrack songs that just get played all the time <laughs> Um, when I was a bridal consultant, I just heard it yeah, I everywhere. Imagine. I had brides fighting over the song. Really? Oh man. It brought, it brought back this one time where I had two brides and the one bride who is very sweet was like, oh my God, she had to come to the same store as me. They're also using the thousand year song by Christina Perry. And that's our song. And then she was a bridesmaid in that girl's wedding. And then I had to call her again for her measurements because the bridesmaid company was running out of fabric for the dresses and they were canceling it. So we needed to get the order in last second. And she was like, I'm not giving you my measurements. Fuck this person's wedding. And I was like, oh my God, why are you two people friends?
1: This is insane.
0: It was insane. So uh, a thousand years is laden with so many bridal consultant memories for me.
1: That's insanity.
0: It was crazy wow yeah yeah they fought over this song and so many girls would come in and i'd be like oh what's your first song gonna be and they'd be like it's gonna be a thousand years by christina perry i know it's from the twilight movies but like it's just so us you know and i'm like sure
1: oh man (sighs) what's your take on the bruno mars song it's bad it's it's
0: really bad. <laughs> it's so bad. <laughs> oh my God. Bruno Mars. I think he was also just trying to capture, like how serious the love is, of Edward and Bella, but not in a way that sort of matches its silliness, like Christina Perry, or is tongue in cheek, like Death Cat for Cutie. I think it just misses the mark. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um. I want to find the lyrics that are just so ridiculous i think it's like the first two lines what does he say if you ever leave me baby leave some morphine at my door
1: oh god what is this? it would
0: take a whole lot of medication to realize what we used to have we don't have it anymore
1: oh sad boy all right i get it
0: yeah also Leave some morphine at my door. It Just is really taking it to a different level. There are some very serious issues here. If that's your response to a breakup,
1: I need to take some ketamine. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm gonna do some ketamine and do some speed runs. That's oh, my I I don't today.
0: I don't think I even finished the rest of the lyrics. But one of them is your daddy can't even look me in the eye. What?
1: I remember Oof. hearing that. I do remember hearing that. What if is... I was
0: in their shoes, I'd be doing the same thing, saying, there goes my little girl walking with that troublesome guy.
1: Is this more forced diversity? Because even though it's like a sad love song, none of this happens in the Twilight movie.
0: I know that there's a lot of complexity when it comes to Bruno Mars's music, and considering that he's um, a Polynesian musician, but... He makes pop music that is more influenced by the funk disco scene of the 70s and the 80s. Um, you know, there's a lot of gray ground there, but I think just as well, it's probably their diversity poll.
1: Yeah. Uh, there's um, no other reason to.
0: That and who's the other one? Theo London, Neighbors. I think that's the one yeah that's the other um that's the other diversity grab that just it just doesn't seem like it fits yeah in at all
1: I do like the song from now on
0: oh yeah I like that one too it's a
1: good song yeah it's a bop
0: yeah I liked that one I liked the the noisettes that was good too um Aqualung was kind of a surprise but it was still nice I liked that song it was good I'm not surprised at all that Christina Perry was the big pull for this album because her previous single that made her big was A Jar of Hearts have you watched the music video for a I thousand years
1: not, I have oh not my, oh no. should I play it and react in oh real my time? goodness
0: yes please do thousand
1: years music video
0: she is like I thought it would be much more like dark and emo than it actually was, but she's still bringing it. Like she's just sitting in front of like a field of like a hundred candles.
2: You
1: know what's amazing is that I'm watching it now. It's um on her official YouTube channel, not VIVO, which is pre- which is date dates itself quite a bit. Because you know how, like, all music channels are from, like, Vibio or whatever?
0: Yeah, yeah. So it's not um just clips of her Dior clone ads?
1: Yep. <laughs> so, and it's also the aspect ratio is totally off.
0: Oh, right. I thought something was weird about this video.
1: Yeah. But, all right, so I'm watching it now. So far, it looks like a Dave photo. <laughs> oh,
0: my God. She is just, like, looking out of a window for half of the music video.
1: Now she, now I'm at the point where she's singing to me. She's singing to me, Courtney. Right!
0: Right! Yeah, exactly!
1: She's got an LA <laughs> tattoo on
0: her. In my face.
1: Oh, Charlie! There he is!
0: Charlie, our boy! Good Charlie! Good dads.
1: Oh my god, the music video includes the scene where fucking Jacob slams the letter against the floor. Do you remember that opening scene? Oh my scene? god, I
0: love that so much. I love it. <laughs> there was no other way. They couldn't help themselves but start the movie like that. They just... They couldn't show any restraint on how to start that movie. So what did you think?
1: I'm, I'm still watching. Okay. Um, there's can, a lot of candles. The There's
0: wedding. a lot
1: of candles. Oh, I know why the aspect ratio is off. Okay. Because they're trying to keep it in frame with the vi- with the movie.
0: Oh. But sure. the
1: only... I This is also, like, early YouTube, so maybe... Who knows? Mm-hmm. 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 hmm mm-hmm. Right. I think
0: I know every single word to that song. And not by choice. It was not consensual.
1: No. Mm-mm. Um, I have disappointing news.
0: Yes? Do you like this song?
1: I like the song now.
0: No! It literally just happened. I did no, not care no, for it no. for
1: years. But then all of a sudden I'm sitting here watching it. And all of a sudden something clicks. I'm just like, I like it now.
0: Our 20-plus year friendship is currently in question now.
1: I'm almost 30, and I'm like, I want this for the wedding. I want this for the wedding. I don't want this for the wedding. I don't. It can't be the wedding song. (laughs) No. I remember I made a joke with my mom that my wedding song was going to be love you to death by typo negative, And she got visibly angry. Oh, really? Very angry. And I said, it is a joke. And she goes, you're gonna make an old Italian woman listen to that crap. And I said, Jesus, mom, it's not. even." And then that that, like instinctual thing kicks in. It's like, it's my wedding. I'll do what I want. And then I realized I at the time I was a 27 year old man arguing about what song to play at an imaginary wedding. That's at this point in my life. Who knows if that'll happen?
0: Hey, that's okay. You're allowed to plan your imaginary wedding. That's fine. So many other people do it. I do it instinctively from probably, like, being a bridal consultant. I'm like, oh, I could just do this. I could do that. I have a friend who has a floral business. So it happens. But you know what? (laughs) That story with your mom tells me is that she had this moment, like, obviously your Italian family would find something to be disappointed in you for at the wedding. Why do you have to make it so easy for them to figure it out?
1: I remember when I went to my cousin's wedding with my ex and my ex wore, um, like a, a, wore, wore, not only a vest, like a button Mm. up pants, shoes. Yeah. And just like, I didn't give a shit. Right. Love is love. I'm having a great time, but I know that it was like the gossip and I'm just like, fuck off. I don't give a shit.
0: Also, hot take. Suits are non, are non-binary. Suits are non-binary. They look good on anybody.
1: They're androgynous.
0: Yeah, a good suit looks killer on anybody.
1: Anyone can wear a suit. Yeah. But that I think that's that's my hot take on this album and the story connected to it. And uh, I do like that song now and I am really sorry.
0: (laughs) I don't know if we can get over this. (laughs) (laughs) Well what other songs
1: what What other songs (laughs)
0: It was like, when I first heard it, I was told by like one of the owners at the time, like, oh, people really like that Twilight song. And I was just like, oh, okay, sure. I didn't know what she meant. I had no idea that Brides would be fighting over it or every other appointment that I had where I say like, oh, did you pick out your song? And they're like, yeah, it's A Thousand Years by Christina Perry."
1: Yeah, I think it needs to stop. We need a new wedding song.
0: Yeah, um, I think the reason that this song became such a huge hit, and I'm not even sure if this was done intentionally. This is my big theory that I was telling you about last week that I was going to get to for the end of this episode. I know we still have another soundtrack to do, but because it's about Christina Perry, if you look at all of the albums, there are several. Female musicians, right? yeah, but aside from three of the voices, and I'm including haley Williams, um Florence Welsh, and Christina Perry, all of the other female singers, Sia Ellie Golding, Likey Lee, Emily Haynes, they all try to phone in this sort of waif or wisp like quality from the female singers, yeah. So they all have that same sound. They all sound sort of similarly wispy. They all have this like, uh, kind of thing going. Yeah. So then when you have Haley Williams and Florence Welsh and Christina Perry, their voices are so much richer and so different than that. It makes them stand out even more. Christina Perry has the most tone in her voice and the most delivery. So I think that's why, phonetically, it sticks out to us so much. Okay. Because our ears are so used to hearing this, like, wispy lightness, and it just gets sort of lost in the background. So that way, when Christina Perry comes in and she's like, days like this, I have loved you for a thousand years and a thousand more, it sounds so pronounced.
1: Yeah. That makes a lot of sense.
0: That's what I'm thinking happened
1: i I could see that theory make holding water, yeah,
0: yeah, whether it's intentionally or unintentionally, I do think that maybe they weren't planning on Christina Perry's voice standing out so much compared to the other songs with other female singers, but I think that they were definitely going for that feeling with the other singers where they wanted this sort of like light forest whispery kind of sound because even musicians who kind of have that but don't even sing that high like emily haynes or um feist you know they still phone it in yeah so that's what i think happened i think it was some phonetic manipulation
1: totally i can see that
0: and that's my big It's
1: a hot take
0: my big twilight thesis on the soundtracks
1: Um, Then we again have Flightless Bird, American Mouth.
0: Right. Just had to bring it back. Like, oh, they're dancing in this one. So I guess we should go back Uh to the song where they were dancing in the other one.
1: Oh, it's the song. It's the song that they met. I was a quick... When
0: I, I was not expecting them to play it again, to be completely honest. I was like, this again? Are you serious? You tricked I don't me remember
1: again? it. The funny thing is, I don't remember it. I know it's the song they danced to in the first movie, but I don't remember that moment. Right. Nearly as much as I remember it playing at the wedding scene. Like, that sticks out to me.
0: Right. I guess it was supposed to call back to it, but it was also only, like, the year before...
1: Oh, you mean like eight months before?
0: Right, exactly. It's not like it was that long ago. Like when you hear a song now, like Joe and I have been together for a long time. If we hear a song that we thought of when we first started dating, then we're like, oh, remember this? Like that reminds me of that. For them, it's only the, it's like the same school year.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's another one of those conflictions that we as the audience have versus the people in the movie. For us right. as the audience, there actually was a decent amount of time in between. But then right. you look in the movie and you're like, this is like 12 months.
0: Right. People find out if they're going to college, like they apply to colleges and then find out whether or not they're getting into it and then register for those courses in less or the same amount of time as these two fall in love and get married. So, yeah. So let's move on to the last album. Twilight Saga Breaking Down Part 2 soundtrack and at this point they have the biggest names in the music industry and it's very clear that it's the most phoned in and also the least amount of effort I think is put into this album because at this point everyone is just so focused on the final movie that I didn't even think twice about any of the music that appeared in it
1: yeah, is it fair to say that this is some people's least favorite one?
0: I think so. I think as far as, like, rating all the albums go, this one's everyone's least favorite.
1: Yeah, it showed up on a bunch of lists as people's least favorite. I mean, like, I, I don't want to say when I hate on them, but, like, I see Green Day's on here, and I'm just like, what good... Like, after... And even American Idiot is arguable on how good it actually is. But, yeah. like, anything after that, I'm like, why'd you put them here?
0: Right, um, exactly.
1: Passion Pit makes yeah. a return.
0: Passion Pit makes a return. It's not even the best Passion Pit song.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: Feist is on here.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But even this seems a little bit later than Feist's big moment in her career. So. Um not that that's necessarily a bad thing. I just think it was a random pick. Oh yeah. Um Oh, I wanted to tell you about Reeve Carney cuz this is okay. where the Spider-Verse and my love of musicals mesh up to Twilight. Okay. I didn't know until this moment that Reeve Carney also considered himself an indie rocker because Reeve Carney is um, known for being Pete Parker in the Spider-Man musical. Really? Yes, that's wow. Spider-Man. There is a Peter Parker in the Twilight soundtrack.
1: That's awesome. I did not know that.
0: They must fly into the twilight. Not a good musician though. That that comes to my next thing is that he took over the role of Orpheus in Hades Town when they moved to Broadway from Damon Duono, who had it in the off Broadway soundtrack. And I just don't know, I don't know how you go from Damon Duono, whose voice is so velvety and rich and beautiful and fits Orpheus, to Reeve Carney. (laughs) <laughs> who's just flat all the time, and it's not good. And he also, it was in the uh, remake of Rocky Horror Picture Show, and he was arguably the most disappointing of all of them. Oh, yikes. Yeah. Um, so I was just really surprised to see Reeve Carney show up in this soundtrack and then find out that he's also an indie rocker. no. Too many Spider-Man. So I just wanted to connect the dots between wanting to play Spider-Man at the end of our last episode to yes. Twilight Saga Breaking Dawn Part 2.
1: Now, this album if out of especially compared to the rest, I am the least connected to and have the least like eye recognizability other than Green Day and Passion Pit. What mm-hmm. are some standouts for you or is it just bad?
0: Um, I'm not a fan of any of these, really. Fair. Yeah. <laughs> At least, like, all the other albums had something that stuck out to me where I was like, okay, like, even the Death Cat for Cutie song is phoned in, but it's still, like, not a bad Death Cat for Cutie song. But, yeah.
1: No, I gotcha. That's... I can't really say much else. Yeah. <laughs> <about this one. laughs> I'm sorry guys I didn't Um, want to listen to the Green Dice song
0: yeah I I feel like we're good here we we did our best we did our best and at this point 2020 is over
1: it's over guys
0: over and so is
1: 2021
0: our entire twilight saga i feel like all the algorithms on my phone and my laptop will now think i'm a twilight fan
1: unfortunately yeah yeah but you know what we're not done with stephanie myers just yet we're not no we're not done with stephanie myers we have one more to go oh boy
0: well we do have the i just i just want to watch this one because i'm like you know what every time i hear about this movie i still don't understand what's happening in the movie so that's why i'm like let's just do it we did a (laughs) saoirse ronan movie for the end of our other mini series so let's do another one now we're gonna watch the host
1: we're watching the host for this next week guys tune in
0: yeah so if you want to keep up with us um, go through the ringer, go through the trenches with us of real Stephanie Meyer content and watch the host.
1: Yes, please do.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: All right, and with that, guys, welcome back to the new year. We came in talking about the music of Twilight. Um, I'm drabby and tired, but <laughs> we are here for the new year. We're here mm-hmm. for it. We're going to do the host next weekend. Please be sure to... Like us on Instagram at Remember the Zero Zero S Podcast. We're on Spotify.
0: Boom.
1: Google. Podbean.
0: Boom.
1: Amazon. I remember that. (laughs) Right. We're on Amazon. And our YouTube channel where I posted a video last week and we're going to be trying to do more videos.
0: Yeah. All
1: right, guys. thank, Thank you so much. Welcome 2021. And be sure to watch the host so you can laugh along with us not the not the good korean movie the 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 bad one
0: i hope everybody had an excellent new year and we'll see you in 2021
2: peace There's a lot of books in the Cullen household, but no what to expect when you're expecting a half vampire child. No, they look on Google Images. <laughs> that was one of the, the funniest scenes I've ever had to do in my life. It's like, really? We're all like 300 year old geniuses. And we just go, it's like, vampire baby, like on Google Images. And uh, yeah, that, that was our research into it. It's like, I can't find anything. I mean, when you read the beginning, when Edward's introduction, it's just sort of saying, "Oh, he's so heartbreakingly beautiful." I mean, every single, two, like every paragraph, there's like a thing. Um, I mean, I, I remember, I remember, I stopped reading it when it said, "Even in the rain, he looked like he was in an underwear commercial or something." Or <laughs> a heard commercial," I was like, "Oh, Jesus! There's no, uh, there's no way." Watching this movie, and in this one you guys aren't trying to, you know, fit in as humans so much. We don't see that much interaction with humans. I gotta ask you, why are you guys still driving cars when you have the ability to run so fast? There's a lot of stuff in the Twilight world that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it's like, why are they still going to high school? <laughs> like, up until last year, it doesn't? they're a hundred years old. I mean, I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, do you guys really need the money from Volvo that bad? <laughs> <laughs> Edward is desperate for an endorsement deal. <laughs> I mean, when I was reading it, I, I did not know how to read it from you know teenage go- or any kind of woman's perspective. I guess I don't really know why they like it, but what I thought was weird about it and what the reaction I had with it was, um, when I read it, it seemed like I was, I was convinced that Stephanie was convinced she was Bella. And uh, and you, it wasn't. It was like it was a book that wasn't supposed to be published. And you're like reading her, her sort of sexual fantasy about some. And especially when she says oh, it was based on her dream, and it's like, oh, I I've I've had this dream about this really sexy guy, and she just writes this book about it. And like some things about Edward are so specific. I mean, it's like I was just convinced that it's like this woman is mad. She's completely mad, and she's in love with her own fictional creation. And like sometimes you like feel like uncomfortable reading this thing.
0: Play is probably one of the most romantic vampires around. I just want to know if you stole
2: any of his moves for your own personal romantic life. No. <laughs> <laughs> Not even one
0: thing.